there was still a lot of great people here. I mean, you know, Cecil Taylor was here. All these different people were here. Sam Rivers was here. Ornette was here. This is Jazz Stories from Jazz at Lincoln Center. I'm Alexa Lim. So that was the composer and musician Henry Threadgill. He arrived here in New York City in 1976 from his hometown of Chicago with serious credentials. In 1962, he played in pianist Muhal Richard Abrams' experimental band. And he was also an early member of the group founded by Abrams, the AACM, the Association for the Advancement of Creative Musicians. After a tour with gospel singer Jojo Morris and serving in a military rock band in Vietnam, Threadgill returned to Chicago, and with fellow AACM members Steve McCall and Fred Hopkins, he formed the influential trio Air. Here he talks with Jazz at Lincoln Center's Ken Drucker. The first big person to take me in, uh, that kept me with uh, very quietly, was Howard McGee. I worked with Howard McGee when I got here. He kept me with him for a long time. The Pat Patrick and the Howard Blewett had me in the uh, Baritone Rat and there was a lot of uh, people here that were influential in that sense to, to help you. And like, but the people who I want, I didn't come here to be a, uh, to be a side man, though. I didn't come to New York to play enough to be a side man. That was never my intention. When I first came to New York in 1969, and looked at that idea, I went back and said, I'm not going to go to New York to be a side man. I'm going to New York with a group to do what I do. Because I said, I'm not getting into that fray. I'm not, I'm not going down there and get all scarred up <laughs> trying to outplay this person and beat that person out. I said, I'm not going to do that. You know, I said, anyway, I said, I'm not that kind of musician. And I'm not that, I, I wasn't me, you know. So when I came, I came with air. We were ready to go when we got here. We didn't get here trying to get ready to go. We were going before we got here. And so from there, I had the leisure and comfort of being able to go and play with people that I really wanted to play with, not in a competitive way to try to beat somebody else out when I got to play with Cecil's band, when I played for all those years with Mario Bowser, you know. It wasn't about trying to beat somebody out. So that was very good to, to have that freedom, not to have to go that route. And I'm not putting that down, mind you. <laughs> that just wasn't for me, like Jackie Gleason said, you know, when you were sitting there with a big stomach and people said, wow, you know how you eat all that luxurious food and drink all that whiskey, say, very good for me, but I wouldn't advise it for you. <laughs> <laughs> So Threadgill's inventive composing often consists of unusual instrumentation. His group, Very Very Circus, included two tubas, two electric guitars, a trombone or a French horn, and drums. His bands take a variety of shapes and include musicians and styles from inside and outside of jazz. When I listen to this, there's a certain elusive quality, I don't know if that's the right word, where I'm not able to tell or if I, I don't know if I'm supposed to be able to tell what's composed, what's improvised, and what the interaction between the composition and the improvisation is. Is that something you go for, or is that something that just happens in the group? 
Uh, both. <laughs> yeah, both. You know, it's so that you don't have all these corners, these sharp corners, so that there's things just go from one thing to the next without you knowing it's, it's better. You know, it's like somebody coming on stage and, and pulling the curtain closed after every, every little scene, you know. You know, every time there's a scene, they close the curtain, they open, close the curtain, open, close the curtain. Can you imagine sitting there watching the players choo, 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 choo? You know, it's probably, players got like 30 scenes. So you got 60 curtain openings and closings right there in front of you, you know. So it's to break the, so that the music can, can kind of flow unhampered by obstructed things like that, you know. And the sense of certain kind of regularities that, um, that set people up to uh, expect certain things. Because you got to remember the expectation is a result of certain patterns, generally. You know, you come into the room and the table is set and there's napkins and plates on the table you think you're going to eat. Well, right. a, a, as a listener, what I was going to say is that I, I find myself, <laughs> I, I find myself kind of leaning forward, uh-huh. you know, what to because I don't know what to expect exactly, and I wonder if that happens when you're playing the music as well. Does it force you out of a comfort zone? In a way? Well, yeah, which I, I try to stay in a, in a place where you're uncomfortable. So that, that's the wrong word. Uh, so that you, as much as possible, stay away from what you know. To be able to express yourself more spontaneously and not have to deal on a lot of stored information that you have. Uh, that's really what my intent is in terms of working with, this, with the ensemble that we have. So the idea of playing licks or certain patterns, or it's to get away from that idea. Yes, but not totally. You never get away from anything totally because the musicians can use anything they want at any time. There's no rules as such. But uh, you're in a type of environment where you don't have to use the kind of information that is generally used to express yourself. You can, you can actually play straight out ideas rather than playing something to fit something. In traditional music, in traditional major minor music, you in order to, uh, in improvisation, you have to play something that fits the major minor system. Meaning, it's uh, like you have to stick a key in the door to get the door open, in other words. You have to do something to this, there's harmony that goes on in the major minor system. So you have to go through the harmony. You have to, do, you have to negotiate with the music, with, with the harmony, in order to express anything. Here we don't have to negotiate with anything. We can just play anything we want in the background or the surrounding material uh, coagulates around that material because it's all coming from the same uh, place, theoretically. <laughs> is, is the rhythm, the tempo, is any of that set? I mean, are there... Are what oh. are the boundaries? Are there boundaries set? In- oh yeah, you always have to have. You always have to have boundaries. When you don't, if you don't have boundaries, I don't. For my aesthetic, if you don't have boundaries, you don't have art. 
you know, uh, you have to set up some, con there has to be controls and boundaries, you know. Otherwise, when does day end? Uh, we set up parameters, and those parameters are flexible because it's improvisational. And it's always interesting when things get out of hand or go in a direction that you didn't plan. This is extremely important because the type of ensemble, this is the, this is the thing about building a good and great ensemble. When things get out, that's when you really got a great ensemble. When things get out of hand and get out beyond what you had planned on doing. The, somebody throw the ball, you with the team, and you set up this play, and the play goes all backwards or wrong. Now, if you really got a team, they'll be behind it. Spontaneous improvisation is about that. You plan certain things, but if if the plans go wrong and you still can't operate, you really haven't got a very good team. And when it comes time to, or maybe you're always listening for and, and looking for musicians, but how do you go about that? Do people, uh, do you go out to hear people play? Do you hear recordings? I mostly go out and hear people play. Uh, it's just too many recordings. <laughs> I don't have that much time. <laughs> I really don't have that much time. You know, it, it was simpler when it wasn't so many records. You know, then I could do more listening. But now, I step outside my door, and I, before I could get to the coffee shop, I got 10 CDs that people just come up and give me. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm serious. A neighbor come up, a woman come up and say, I know you never met me, but my husband just made this, and I know you don't know who he is. <laughs> uh, Liberty, who's sitting there, Liberty and I was walking down the street in Istanbul, and the guy came up out of an alley. <laughs> he did, came out of an alley and came up on me and said, you know, have you heard my CD? <laughs> in Istanbul. I expect that in New York. You know. <laughs> yeah, and probably seeing people live is yeah. a much better gauge. Yeah, live is it, you know, and... Um, uh, you got to remember, see, everything has changed around here. The, the young musicians, you got to go way out of your way to find them, too, because there's no, there's, they don't have the places to perform that they used to have. All the, the traditional places are not letting the young musicians in there, so you can't hear them. You know, they got the state names, the, you know, the Blue Note and the Vanguard, and these places, you know who is going to be there. You're not going to see any, you're not going to see any new talent in there. You know, and you're not going to hear any new music, or <laughs> I don't think so. You might hear some new solo, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> that was the musician and composer, Henry Threadgill. You can watch a video of him in this entire discussion at the Jazz at Lincoln Center website. And you can find all the Jazz Stories podcasts at jalc.org and on iTunes. For Jazz Stories, I'm Alexa Lim. This series is produced by David Gorin and me at Murray Street. Support comes from Jazz at Lincoln Center. So consider becoming a member or joining us for a live performance. You can find complete information at jalc.org. <laughs>